The first time me and little sis saw the infection was on a Monday, right after our bus ride home from middle school. To be honest, before all the bullshit, we lived pretty miserable lives. Our parents were pretty strict, so we weren't allowed to watch anything that wasn't rated PG and under. My mom, though, bless her creative little heart, often let us watch a few PG-13 flicks every now and then. The coolest of them was a black and white picture about a brain that ate people. But most of the time she stayed firm. Even our music was kept underneath a diligent magnifying glass. There wasn't going to be anything reaching the innocent hills of our brains that exceeded the socially acceptable limits of gore, sex, and profanity. Which might as well have meant nothing at all. I mean, look at sex. Sex was everywhere. Still is, really. It was on cereal boxes, in sports commercials. Come on, you never got excited when those professional volleyball players ran around in their sweaty bikinis advertising sunscreen. In song lyrics, which was always fun to recite. And on roadside billboards that pointed you to the nearest hot dog joint. Come and swallow the longest hot dog you've ever seen. That stuff never fooled anyone, especially us kids. We were all just horny little hounds. You couldn't sneeze without someone throwing a pair of tits in your face somehow. I loved it. So I never felt too sour at her when she tried to censor the world for me and sis. I understood. It's not like she was the mastermind behind it all anyway. Even though she tried pretty hard, I never got the impression that she honestly cared about imposing a limit on what her eyes could or couldn't see. Nah, that was... That was the job of our stepfather, a Catholic tyrant by the name of Brando. Brando was a real piece of work. And to add on to what I'm sure you think was one of the dullest teenage existences in history, he'd make me and my sister pray whenever he caught us doing anything unsavory. Compared to Brando, Mom was just going through the motions. That's right. It wasn't enough that we had limits. The good Lord had to hear us say his name in repentance whenever we'd royally screwed up by watching a movie with an ass crack showing or smuggling a hard rock album into the house. Hail Marys were usually the price to pay, but sometimes we'd have to get on our knees and recite an Our Father or some other lengthy mess that I'm sure even God didn't want to hear anymore. And sometimes he'd bring out the big guns. Sometimes Brando just liked to mess with us and throw out the rosaries. Honestly, there was never any variety in it at all. Out of the thousands of prayers that me and little sis must have muttered, there weren't any more than four or five different ones, save for special occasions like holidays when good old Brando actually created prayers for us to say. That's right. The freaking nut job actually made shit up for us to beg for God's forgiveness with. I'm sure that God must have rolled his eyes and waved it all away sooner or later. After a while, it must have gotten so damn repetitive to listen to. I'm sure it was kind of cool at first, though, knowing that so many people around the world came to him for emotional clarity and whatnot, but seriously, nobody's ego, deity or not, was that big. At least that's what I thought. But Brando was a different kind of animal. His ego was the size of a semi-truck, and 
compared to the size of a human being, that's an awful lot of space for something as conceptual as a self-perception to fill up. Obviously, prayers weren't going to be enough when it came to some crimes against our mortal souls. Kneeling in salt for hours on end, unscrewing doors away from their hinges, yes, even the bathroom doors, and whippings with thin radio cords were the appropriate punishments for things that he classified as being extra naughty. I can't even imagine what kind of gasket he might have blown if he'd either caught any of us jerking off. You know, sometimes I felt like I did that more times than I'd stuffed my face at dinner. Hell, even more than I slept, really. <laughs> Jerking off was the holy milk and honey of my deprived world. So Brando was an asshole, and unfortunately our dear old mom was eventually transformed into a mini-asshole and just went along for the ride. Didn't want to waste too much time arguing with someone who had a damn shrine to our Lord Jesus Christ in the back of their closet. It was still sad, though, to see her steadily shy away from the intellectual wonders that entertainment provided every now and then. I mean, I can't help but give credit to the folks where credit is due. They weren't entirely wrong when it came to the shallow merits of the entertainment industry. I'd seen my fair share of rotten shit on television to understand where they were coming from. In a small kind of way. But she also missed out on the good shit, plain and simple. And as rare as that was, that might as well have been some kind of crime. But me and little sis dealt with it all pretty well. Compared to the infection, all of that stuff will forever be small potatoes, now that I think about it. That Monday afternoon, we said goodbye to our small circles of friends and made our way home from the bus stop. And after settling into our living room, me and little sis were soon glued to the afternoon happenings of only cowboys die in trucks. A cat-and-mouse kind of flick about a man coming across a boatload of money. He's chased by a madman assassin who comes after him because of it, but, uh... I couldn't tell you if he got out alright or not. We never finished it. But what we did see was good. And when I say good, I mean good. I'd never seen anything like it at the time. But looking back on it now, you could probably say that it was a small miracle we were able to watch it at all. You see, our parents were home through the whole thing. We'd neglected to search the house on account of our excitement over popping the movie in. And right when the flick was taking a turn for the better, in walks Brando. Except he wasn't Brando. My sister saw him first, must have spotted him in a reflection on our widescreen set, and she violently shook my arm before she said anything. Jean! Jean! Look! And when I did, I instantly wished that I had it. You ever see something so fucking disturbing, so fucking disgusting, that it made you wish you were asleep? Like what you saw was just the latest in a series of sick jokes that your brain was making up and broadcasting to you in the safety of your dreams? Well, Brando fit that bill to the T. First off, the poor tyrant was naked as a newborn, and his junk just flopped around all over his thighs as it leaked what I guess was an extra reserve of piss on himself. Second, he had the decapitated head of our mom in his grip. He had his stubby chocolate fingers wrapped up in her curly auburn afro, and 
For some reason, our dear old mom's jaw was still moving. Up and down, up and down, as if she was trying to say something to us. But the last thing, the thing that made me cover my mouth and stand up all kinds of quick-like, his skin, his crusted, oozing skin. From head to toe, he was covered in all sorts of honey-mustard yellow pimples and pus-filled boils, each one of them throbbing and pulsing as if they were just waiting for the right moment to explode. He didn't have any special look on his face as he started to wobble towards us, but little sis did. She looked like one of those old-school cartoon characters who'd just seen a ghost, but damn it if I wasn't proud of her for not doing one thing. She must have remembered from all of those horror movies we snuck late at night on the weekends together. From all of those frightened high school girls who couldn't keep it together in the face of impending doom. My little sis didn't scream. She just tugged on my arm again as she slowly stood up with me. Jean, that's... that's not Brando, is it? He tilted his head at that, at the mention of his name. I don't know if he recognized it somehow or was surprised at her speaking out loud, but the smelly fucker tilted his head as if he was thinking about something real serious, and then he swung his arm back and forth a few times before tossing the chewing head of our dear old mom at the both of us. That's when little sis lost it, and when I made the decision to dash away from the television towards the kitchen. I could hear her trip backwards over my chair and land with a smack on the floor, and Brando laughed at her as he started to drag his feet towards her. I didn't look. I couldn't. The only thing that I could think of was how fast I could find something sharp to lodge into the back of his head with. But our kitchen wasn't organized at all, and then I heard little sis scream and turned around to look back at her for just a split second. Brando was on top of her and I could make out some of the splatter from a few of his overgrown pimples popping as they splashed onto the whiteness of her sundress, and I cursed as I turned right back around and resumed my search. I cut my thumb on the edge of one of Mom's hefty kitchen knives and lifted it out of one of our deeper cabinets with a shit-eating grin. Brando was going down. Little Sis screamed again, and I rushed back into the living room to find her pulling his snarling head away from her chest. She had both of his big-ass ears in a death grip and pulled his face away from her with everything that she had and looked at me with a desperate look that made my blood boil. Hold him there! Hold him there! I yelled and scrambled over to stand behind him. His back was something straight out of a low-budget zombie flick, but, uh... All of the blood and patches of muscle I could see underneath his shredded skin were as real as it gets. It was covered in a gruesome collection of rabid scratches that I could only assume were made by Mom before he killed her. Did he turn while they were doing the nasty? Did he hold her down and try to choke her or pummel her head in while she went buck wild on his back? I closed my eyes for a second and shook my head. That wasn't how I wanted to remember Mom. Even her decapitated head was better than something like that. I didn't want to imagine her in any kind of pain or struggle. That wasn't what any mom deserved. 
Little Sis screamed for me to hurry up, and after a couple of measured breaths, I lifted the knife and sunk it straight down into the top of Brando's head. It was easier to do than I thought. I mentally prepared myself for the possibility of two or three attempts before the knife actually went through his skull, but it wasn't like that at all. The damn thing sunk straight through as if it fell through water, and the sound that the knife made as it broke his skull and pierced into his brain wasn't anything like the movies. It was more like a pop, like when you threw a light bulb as hard as you could onto the ground. Brando spasmed like an epileptic. Little Sis shoved him off of her before his full body weight collapsed on her chest, and we both stepped back a ways after I pulled her into my arms. He rolled over onto his ruined back, and all of his limbs started to flex and jerk. His eyes twitched in every which way, and I could see him biting down repeatedly on his tongue as it flopped in and out of his mouth. It was as if he was being possessed by something that didn't want him to die. But we did. After a few tense minutes, he settled down a bit. After shutting off the movie and glimpsing the news, we knew all that we needed to know about what happened to Brando. Mysterious Sickness Grips the U.S. was the headline of the day, and I had a feeling that it was going to be the headline of the year. Little Sis and I suddenly found ourselves in the middle of our own horror movie. So after wasting as little time as we could washing up, we packed traveling bags for us both and left them there quivering violently in the middle of the living room. We exited the house, locked the door, and walked away to go and check up on our friends. We didn't call the cops. There was no point. We discussed who we were going to go see first, and since there was no outlandish mayhem coming to life around us, we strolled like a young married couple through our neighborhood before a decision was made. It was almost surreal. We just witnessed something that was most likely going to become a staple in the library of our nightmares, but after stepping out of the house, the world was untainted by the horror that we'd locked up inside of it. Birds chirped and flew around us as they always did. I even saw a few squirrels collecting nuts for themselves as they zipped around the trunks of trees that had become so familiar to us. Little Sis was taking it all in pretty well. She wasn't muttering all weird-like to herself or looking down at the ground. She had her head held high and carried our conversation along with the poise and focus of a newly elected politician. I say that we go see Misty, she recommended as she kicked a stray acorn from out of our path. Misty was the daughter of a nutjob rifle collector on the other side of the neighborhood. Albert was his name, and he liked to, uh smoke cigars, and swim naked in his 20-foot lap pool most days when we showed up. A weird combination, I know, but he was a retired Marine, a gunnery sergeant if I remember right. And Marines, as far as movies went, were as wacky as you could come. I'm sure that in the service it was normal for all of them to be weirdos with one another. I gave her idea some thought, though. For a few good minutes, actually before eventually shrugging it off. I don't know, I said. I watched a hawk soar through the sky and adjusted my pack. I like where you're coming from, sure, but... I don't know. 
Misty's got money, sure. She's, she's got food, she's got guns, and she's one of your closest friends. I had to look at the ground and think real hard. Misty was a friend, a close one, and one who could shoot a gun as well as her dad, by the way. Which meant that she was an expert. She had a lavender-colored buzz cut and spoke with a lisp. I always liked Misty, but I always thought that she was too crazy for me to ever consider her girlfriend material. She liked to drink a strange concoction of soda and milk. When I asked her why one day, she just laughed in my face and slapped the back of my neck. <laughs> why? She asked, amused at my question. <laughs> Nobody gives a damn about why we do anything, Jeannie. <laughs> She had one of those smiles that reminded you of an asylum patient, frozen in some kind of unknowable bliss. I never knew what the hell she was thinking. Okay, okay, hear me out though. Why Valley Mist specifically? I asked. I mean, that's, that's all I ever see stocked up in the back of your fridge. And you drink it with milk? Ah, uh, that don't matter too much, she said. I just happened to love me some Valley Mist. She looked up and scrunched her rabbit face for a second, thinking pretty hard, I guess, before turning back to me with her fucked up smile. I think because it's so much clearer than all the other sodas. You can almost look right through it, like water. Isn't that interesting? It's like water, but soda. Yeah, Misty was weird as hell. She'd probably offer the best sort of protection for us, though, if Brando came back and decided to chase us down for whatever reason. But there was a rule that I'd read in a survival book once about apocalypse scenarios and how best to go about surviving them. Nut jobs only attract other nut jobs. And if Misty was anything, she was sure as shit one grade A nut job, her and her dad. I looked at little sis and shook my head. Nah, I don't think that Misty's the answer. We need someone a little bit less... unpredictable. Someone with a good head on their shoulders. Someone who wouldn't mind laying low for as long as they needed to, you know? She nodded her curly head of brown hair to that. My sis could be the best at seeing reason. No matter how much she loved her friend, she just knew how much of a whack job Misty could be. I mean, come on. Soda and milk? Well, what about some of your friends? She asked. And it didn't take long for me to shake my equally curly head to that idea either. All of my friends were guys, and I didn't exactly get excited at the idea of possibly sharing a roof with them while I had my blooming little sis at my side. What if we got isolated somehow? No, I, I didn't want to think about that. It all went back to sex. Besides, guys were, most of the time, nothing but pride and anger when pushed in specific ways. I liked the idea of me being the odd gender in a room full of women so much more than the alternative. Little sis understood. All right then, she said and a dog barked harshly a few times in the distance before it yipped and went quiet. Let's go see Big K. Big K was a special kind of girl. 
You don't get a name like Big K without being exceptional in one or two kinds of ways. Her real name was Catherine, and Catherine ate so many candy bars and slurped so many soft drinks, while looking like someone who made a living reviewing grocery store samples, that Big was the first thing my sis and her clique of anime-loving friends took to calling her. That, and she was a huge fan of Gundams. You know, those Japanese giant robot suit things that went on for like forever and a half and are still popular. So the name never went away. There's nothing like the combination of an overweight girl and her equally overweight obsession with giant robots, I guess. The K portion of her name came from the fact that she went with her mother to our local Kelters every Friday, like clockwork, to snag another model of a series of Gundams that were revealed in the store every week. They were imported from an online figurine company, San San Models, who made a ton of money featuring their models on the lists of major retailers like Walnuts and Kelters, so it was pretty easy to find them. They teased their new batches every week online, so it was easy for Big K to get excited and start anticipating them, like how people used to anticipate episodes of their favorite reality TV shows. Going to see Big K was a smart decision at the time. She had even more food than Misty and her pops, and since she was such an outcast, she didn't have many friends, not outside of the ones my sis shared with her anyway. Her family wasn't out of control. She didn't even have a dad. It was just her and her mom surviving together in a small house at the top of the hill past Misty's. Her front door was a thin slab of pink painted wood. It was some kind of miracle that a girl like Big K could fit through it every day, honestly. I remember making a bet with myself that one day her mom was going to hire someone to widen the entrance, but uh, <laughs> she never did. We waited for a little under a minute after ringing her doorbell, and then the telltale sounds of her stomping to the front door made us look at each other knowingly before it swung open and Big K's ever-delightful face greeted us in the entryway. Hey, guys! She said cheeringly. She had rainbow neon braces and always wore a pink bow to hold up her stringy white blonde hair. Her eyes were really small, and she stuck her head out away from her neck whenever she spoke. It made her look like she was always squinting at you, as if her eyesight was always terrible. I always wondered why she never wore a damn pair of glasses. I didn't expect to see either of you today. What a treat! Then her face changed, and she didn't look so happy anymore. Wait... Did something happen at your place? Are you guys all right? Uh, not, not exactly, big girl. I sighed as little sis smiled warmly at her friend. You mind if we come inside? We'll tell you all about it in a minute, but uh, we're probably going to be spending a few days with you before making other plans. That sound good? Uh, duh! She practically yelled. I rolled my eyes and Sis giggled. You have no idea how bored I get sometimes, guys. All I do is wait around for Ma to come home after I finish my homework, and even then I've seen all of the shows that we've got, even the old ones. You know, the, the black and white ones, the, the boring ones. I always knew better than to make the assumption that something was boring just because it was being presented in black and white. 
but I didn't open my mouth to object. I would have been arguing my case against a hardcore anime fan. And generally that doesn't do you any good when all someone cares about is animated everything. Besides, Big K didn't even have the patience to scroll through cable or surf the web. She was loyal to only a few cartoon streaming sites and one tube and after she'd finished watching a rather engrossing animated series or a couple of movies, she'd just sit around and wait for someone else to recommend something new to her. She wasn't the type to go about exploring too much, even with all of the ease and speed of a keyboard and mouse. She fixed us a couple of salami sandwiches and a few glasses of orange juice, and then we sat at her wide kitchen table and told her everything. She only nodded her head as she listened, and at the end of our story, she didn't seem all that surprised, really. I guess that's to be expected from anyone who spends most of their time watching graphic animated violence in the comfort of their home. After watching enough of anything, your mind becomes numb to it. Sometimes, so much so that the real world doesn't bother you as much as you'd think. Little Sis rose up and walked out of the kitchen to flip on Big K's television in her living room and there it was, all the evidence anyone would ever need. Like a digital star warning everyone to stay the fuck away from everyone else. It seems that a deadly, undiagnosed plague is gripping the nation. A calm, red-headed reporter spoke into her camera. She was standing in a crowded hospital and wore the same protective red spacesuits that hazmat workers donned all around her. There was a frantic hustle going on in the background. Men, women, and children were being escorted into separate lines to be led away for examination. A massive quarantine, per a recent directive made by the president, is currently underway, urging all citizens to make their way to the nearest hospital for immediate evaluation. Scientists are working around the clock as we speak to create what is being called a miracle cure. Their aim? To stop the sudden catastrophe almost as quickly as it began. For When We Jones Cable, I'm Amanda Stevens. Big K was quiet through it all. And after watching the television for a few more moments, she shrugged her sagging shoulders and walked right back into the kitchen. I looked at little sis, who wore an expression of concern on her face, and then we watched as Big K came out with a small glass of chocolate milk in her hand. She sniffed deeply and then took a long swig, nearly downing the milk in one impressive swallow. No way. It's all nonsense, she finally said with a confident smile. You guys are joking, right? There's no way that you killed your dad. He wasn't our dad, I corrected her coldly. He was just a stand-in. And what we told you is the honest truth, big girl. Why else would we be over here on a weekday? Doesn't sis usually come and visit you on the weekends? She never sees you on a weekday. Come on, think about it. Yeah, well, she should, Big K said softly. She lowered her head and pitifully looked into the glass wrapped in her hands. I rolled my eyes. Sometimes she felt like the epitome of, Feel sorry for me, I have no friends. I found it annoying most of the time, but little sis always made her feel like she was at home around her. 
She loved Big K, just as much as all of her other friends. <laughs> she was an angel, a real angel, I swear to God. I knew we should have kept your damn shirt, I said to little sis. There was all the proof, all that puss and goo. It's okay, sis said calmly, and then she walked up to Big K and gently laid a hand on her arm. Believe me, I know that it feels unbelievable. Even the news sounds fake, right? So maybe it's all made up. Maybe none of it's true. I looked at her in disbelief and gave her a frown. What would we gain by keeping Big K in denial? But she only shook her head and looked back to Big K with a soft light in her eyes. The kind of light that melted everything away. Fear, doubt, confusion, all gone. And Big K took it just as intended. I could see her face relax and her eyes squint even tighter than usual. A fat smile appeared directly underneath her nose. Yeah, see? She said, and in that moment I knew that we'd lost her. There was no way she was going to be able to cope with our new reality. I had no idea how severe the plague was going to be at the time, but I had a good feeling that nothing in our lives was ever going to be the same. Yeah, I said disappointingly. It was my turn to look down. Little Sis casually stroked Big K's arm and spoke to her with all of the tact and affection of an elementary school teacher. I began to get the horrible feeling that maybe we should have gone to stay with Misty after all. They decided to wait up for her mother in the living room. I objected, saying that it was important for all of us to get some sleep. There was no telling what was going to be happening in the coming hours, and we'd need fully charged mental batteries if we somehow had to leave the safety of Big K's home. I figured that it was best to plan on it, just in case. But Big K disagreed immediately. I'm not going anywhere without Ma, and I'm not sleeping until she gets back from work, she said defiantly. So we hunkered down. An hour went by, and then another. We fixed some more food, a long tray of steaming hot dogs with a side bowl of potato chips, and Big K went to the bathroom a few times. I had to go check on her once because she started to take a good amount of time on the toilet. I could have sworn that I heard her talking to someone inside, but when I asked her about it afterwards, she just shrugged her shoulders and gave me an affectionate smile. Just watching some videos on my phone, Jean, relax. You don't do that when you use the bathroom? They passed the time by watching reruns of some anime that they'd enjoyed over the years, but I wasn't interested. Something was bothering me. Maybe the sight of Brando spasming on our living room floor with the knife that I'd sunk into his skull poking out like some kind of blood-drenched beacon put a cloud of fear over me. But something was off. Night had fallen more quickly than I thought, and... Before I knew it, my intuition was rewarded by the distant sounds of scratching that penetrated the distractive noises that blared from the living room television. Little Sis reacted to the sounds before Big K caught wind of them, and she looked over her slim shoulders at me with a scared expression before I lifted a finger to my lips in motion for her to wait.
she smartly decided to turn to her friend with a smile and whispered for her not to be surprised. She left the television blaring. I swear to God, my sister was one of the smartest people who ever walked the planet. I swear to God she was. I rose up from one of Big K's white leather couches and slowly crept over to the kitchen window the noise was coming from. It was a high-pitched sound, something that resembled the sound a teacher would make if they took their nails to an old-fashioned chalkboard to get the attention of a rowdy classroom. But it had a certain rhythm to it, a slow pulse almost, that wormed its way inside of my head and told me that it was going to build to a thunderous crescendo. And it did. The window was covered by a thin rainbow drape that swayed with the gentle force of my anxious breathing, and I reached up to grasp onto one of its corners before I opened it slightly to get a peek outside. The quivering of a bloody blue eye peeked right back at me, and a sudden feminine chuckle, the kind that you got from someone who just caught you doing something wrong, made me hold my breath. And then the window exploded. Small fragments of glass whizzed by my face and a few random shards lodged into my cheeks as I jumped backwards in surprise and banged the back of my head on Big K's steel refrigerator. Her mom, a mammoth of a woman who always wore a long red wig to hide her stress-related baldness, stood outside of the shattered window with a blood-stained pizza box and a few gunshot wounds in her stomach. She had the wide, manic smile of an unrepentant murderer that pierced into her sagging pale cheeks, and her outfit, a once impressively tailored turquoise two-piece suit, was torn to shreds. I could see portions of her breasts through the tatters of her gray undershirt and slick jacket. Her excessively long nose looked like it just come back from a date with an excited hammer. Where's Kelsey? Marion asked with another unsteady chuckle. She tossed the pizza box through the open window and it splattered at my feet. I was a bit dizzy from the impact my head made against the refrigerator, and that, coupled with the fear of facing Big K's mom without any way to protect myself, stupid, I know, kept my mouth shut. It was impossible for me to speak or yell out. I was paralyzed. But I heard a small, frightened screech and a bit of shuffling in the living room during a quick lull in the television show, which told me that Little Sis and Big K had heard everything. I focused my attention on Marion and cursed at my vision to stop it from dancing around. I came home as quickly as I could, she said with another broken laugh, and pointed at the wet pizza box. I know she's hungry! My little fat bitch is always hungry, so I made sure to grab some dinner. She looked at me with a curious expression and tilted her head. The smile never left her face. Are you hungry, Jean? She asked softly, and I quickly shook my head. Wrong answer, little boy. She knew that I hated to be called little boy. It made me think of Brando. Why didn't he talk like her before? He could have insulted me and little sis in almost the exact same way, and I know that he would have gotten a giant kick out of it if he had. 
I scanned Marion's body and saw a few large, throbbing boils on the back of her arms as she reached up to furiously scratch the back of her neck. Afterwards, she rolled her eyes in relief before extending that same hand out to me. Her long fingernails were dirty with dripping mustard goo. I know you're hungry. I see you staring at me all the time when you think I'm not looking. I shook my head again in denial and she laughed openly. Her eyes remained fixated on my face and I slowly reached out to grip a large piece of glass laying at my side. No? You calling me a liar, little boy? Here, look at my ass again and tell me you don't want a piece of this juicy pie. She slowly turned around and exposed her backside to me, which was bare due to the rear of her pants having been torn away. A thick steel pole was wedged deeply in between her butt cheeks, and I watched, disgusted, as a trickle of blood ran down the metal pole to ultimately plop onto the kitchen floor. I made my move while she had her face to the window, dashing up to stab my knife of glass into the side of her neck. Marion howled and tried to buck me off of her, but I bit down on my teeth and stabbed and stabbed and stabbed some more making sure that I used up every bit of my strength to send the glass as deeply into the muscles of her neck as possible. Blood went everywhere, but I made sure to squeeze my eyelids down and kept my lips shut tight to prevent any of it from flinging inside of me. After a few frantic shanks, I felt her go limp, and so I let go of the glass before I wrapped my palms around the unprotected pole behind her and shoved it in as deep as I could. The pressure caused her to slam forward into another window, but it didn't shatter. I used a few more precious seconds to make sure that I felt the pole grinding harshly into her pelvis before I let go completely and stepped away from her. She slumped to the ground in a wheezing fit as she clawed away at her neck. It almost looked like she was trying to open the wound I'd created, but it didn't matter. I told myself that she was dead in a few short minutes and turned around to go retrieve Little Sis and Big K to get the fuck out of the house. Marion's howl was ferocious, but I didn't want to risk seeing anyone in the aftermath, normal or otherwise. It was too bad that didn't matter either. They'd already come. Standing in the kitchen with me were two older men with long, gushing scars that painted their faces an in intimidating crimson. They were both bald and wore cracked glasses, and it took me a couple of seconds to register that they were twins. They weren't wearing any pants, but had on two bright yellow t-shirts advertising McTwisters, one of the most successful fast food burger chains in the country. But that wasn't the important part. What made my blood freeze and my heart scream into my ears in panic was the fact that the shorter of them had a filthy hand dug into Big K's blonde head of hair. She stared lifelessly up at the ceiling as he dragged her along the floor. Her throat had been savagely split open with a razor that clung to some spare skin and created a garnet puddle on the smooth tile floor. <laughs> Look at him, Frederick! Look at this one! He shouted to his brother while pointing at me. What the other twin was doing made every hair on the back of my neck stand at attention. He had little sis pinned over the blazing flames of the stovetop. Her eyes pleaded with me as he steadily lowered her cheek towards the tips of the small fires. 
I made myself surf through every possible thing that I could do while I stood there, frozen, as I watched her face inch closer and closer to the heat. But nothing helped. Just like when I was sprawled on the floor in front of a wickedly smiling Marion, I realized that I couldn't move, and the fact that I'd be responsible for whatever happened next made my stomach flip. I don't have to say that it was vicious, horrifying, nightmarish, but what I heard in the moments that followed made my jeans warm with piss. Little Sis screamed with all of the pain and misery of any prisoner I'd ever seen in any movie I'd ever heard of, as the side of her face became engulfed in heat and started to sizzle. (laughs) I see him! I see him! Frederick yelled gleefully, and with a downward push from his shoulder, he shoved the rest of her face into the stovetop, and Little Sis started to choke and convulse. A smell that I'll never be able to describe rose from her cooking remains as the twins began to hoot and holler, as if they were in the front row stands of a -a once-in-a-lifetime concert. I see him too, came a distorted voice from behind me, and my eyes widened as something sharp sunk into the back of my right calf. It made me yell out in pain, and I crumbled to the ground while I clutched the bottom of my leg at least until I looked up and saw a much bloodier and much more cheery Marion standing over me. Her smile had widened considerably, and a few spurts of blood zipped away from her mangled neck before she waved a long piece of glass around in front of her face. I'm gonna make you look like me now, she whispered. If you've ever, for any reason whatsoever, ran for your life from anything before, then you're going to understand every syllable of what I'm about to say. There was no such thing as a wound on any part of my body. The adrenaline that surged through every blood vessel inside of me pumped them up to superhuman levels of oxygen production. So when I say that I leapt off of the floor and tackled straight into Marion to get to the open kitchen window, then you know that I wasn't thinking about making anything else but an escape. When I think back on it now, which... I don't like to do it all. What happened afterwards still makes me laugh without fail. It's hilarious to me that it was no longer possible for me to be frozen in any way. My body was nothing but junior varsity basketball drills all over again. The balls of my feet sunk into the floor of the kitchen to help me vault myself through one of the closed windows to explode outside onto the grass. I scrambled up quickly and like an Olympic track and field star, sprinted past a rusty fence that separated the house from the rest of the neighborhood, and then gradually settled into a marathoner's pace as I ran and ran and ran. I ran as far and as fast as I could to try and escape from the fresh memories of what had just happened, and as far and as fast as I could from the broken cackling that followed me so closely for the rest of the night, even after I knew that it had long faded away. Ha ha ha!